Do you use a streaming device at home or at work? Simply say, hey Google, play Awaken to Grace with Chad Roberts' podcast and listen to our weekly podcast that is the current sermon that I preach each week at Preaching Christ Church. Today on Awaken to Grace, we are in Psalms 11, and oh, how I love this psalm. In Psalm 11, David is in great danger, and he is actually quite defenseless. But rather than running away from his problems, rather than fleeing like a bird, as he says in verse 1, David learned how to take refuge in the Lord. And today, I'm going to talk to you about when your foundations are shaken, When you are afraid in life, I'm going to show you why you can take such refuge in the Lord. Well, friends, if you enjoyed today's sermon, do you know what makes my day? Even though I'm a blind pastor, my AI devices read me every one of my emails, and it absolutely makes my day when listeners shoot me a quick email. I would love to know where you are listening from. So if you could take a moment, just send me a quick email. My email address is so simple. It's simply my name, Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. So email me and let me know where you're listening from and if the sermons of Awaken to Grace are encouraging you in your walk with the Lord. I hope to hear from you this week, Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. Visit my website, awakentograce.com, and I hope today greatly encourages you in your walk with the Lord. Today we're going to be in Psalms 11, and I want to just unpack this a little bit and understand what's going on in David's life and understand what righteousness did for King David. When we read Psalm 11, we don't know truly what's going on in David's life. Scholars think that there are one of two incidences that are going on. We don't know if this is... After David is anointed king, and King Saul is trying to kill him. Or we don't know if this is years later, after David's throne is firmly established, and then his son, Absalom, rises up against him. And what a story of betrayal. What a sorrowful story of distrust between David and Absalom. So while we don't know if this is at the beginning of David's reign with his trouble with Saul, or if this is years later with Absalom, one thing we are assured of, this is a time of danger for King David. This is a time of disillusionment for King David. Go with me, Psalm 11, verse number 1. It says, To the choir master of David, In the Lord, in the name of the Lord, is my refuge, David says. I will take refuge in the Lord. How can you say to my soul, 
Flee like the bird to your mountain. For the wicked bend their bow and fit their arrow on the string. They shoot in the dark toward those who are upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Isn't that the question of the hour? When we look at our country right now, you know we are in disarray. We are in disunity. Our country has got serious problems, do we not? Our society is in trouble. Our culture is in trouble. Our government is in trouble. And scripture asks a question. If the foundations are destroyed, then what can the righteous do? See, in David's case, whether it was King Saul causing the trouble or whether it was Absalom causing the trouble, it doesn't matter in the historical sense because the fact is only David was the true king of Israel. Saul was rejected by God and Absalom was never chosen by God. And what David is saying is when it comes to truth, that is the foundation. If David is harmed, he is God's truth in that moment for Israel. And the foundations would be destroyed. So Satan tries to do in my life, in your life. As we're going to see in verse 1 and as we're going to see in verse 2. Satan's aim in our life, Satan's goal in our life is to twist the truth of God. Because truth is our foundation. And if Satan can twist it, if he can manipulate it, then he'll gain an upper hand. What did Jesus say about truth in the book of John? Jesus said, the truth shall set you free. Now, how important is that verse? Do you know what Jesus is actually saying when it, when it says truth right there? What Jesus is saying is reality. And do you know what Satan so loves to do? He loves to twist people's reality. Because if the foundations are destroyed, then what can the righteous do? So take, for example, you tell, I, I, I'm very mindful many times when I preach what a vast audience is listening and everyone grew up different and everyone had different backgrounds and different experiences. I realize that there are many that listen who you grew up under an abusive father or you grew up in a home without a father or you grew up in a home where a father neglected you. And so because your reality is twisted... When a person preaches the word of God and talks about our heavenly father. When you begin to pray my heavenly father. You have a distorted view of who God is in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? What God wants to do is give us the right reality. The right perspective. And when truth comes into our life and it reshapes our reality, then the result of it is it sets our lives, it sets our hearts, it sets our thinking free. And that's why Satan wants to attack it so. And so here David is under attack 
in a place of danger, whether it's Saul or whether it's Absalom, he's in a place of danger. So notice verse 1 with me. What does David do? To the choir master of David, I will take refuge in the name of the Lord. I will take refuge in the Lord. That's enough to stop right there and inventory our lives and say, when we face danger, when we face anxieties, when we face times of being overwhelmed, when we face problems that are far beyond our control, where do we take refuge? Do you take refuge in others? Do you take refuge in your own abilities, in your own strength, in your own wisdom? Do you take refuge in your resources? Do you take refuge in your income or in your job or even in your health? Or Where is your refuge? In other words, when anxiety creeps into your life, what do you turn to? When depression tries to grip you, where do you turn? How do you handle it? David says right off the bat, the Lord is my refuge. Are you able to say that? Is he your go-to? What did David later write in the Psalms? He said, the name of the Lord is a what? It is a strong tower and the righteous run in and are safe. Are you safe today? Or as we're going to see in verse 2, are you defenseless today? Have you ran into the strong tower of the name of the Lord? Is His righteousness a strong tower about your life? Or are you on your own? Defenseless. Notice what He's going to go on to say. He's going to go on and He's going to say, How can you say to my soul, Flee like the bird to your mountain? Now, understand this. The Bible never commands us to flee except in one case. If you remember last October, we taught on the life of Joseph and Joseph fled sexual temptation. That's the only time a Christian is to run away. That's the only time. You realize the armor of God covers every bit of us except one area and that's our back because we're never meant to turn around and run from the enemy. And do you realize so often our instinct is to flee? We get disappointed with God. We get hurt through life circumstances. Things don't turn out the way that we like. We turn to a sin. We fail. We let God down. We let others down. We let ourselves down. And what's our first human reaction? Run away. Run away. And I know in my heart today, I'm preaching to some who right now you're running from something. You're running from something in your past. You're running from a situation that happened years ago. Perhaps you hurt someone or someone deeply hurt you. Perhaps you let someone down or you walked out of a situation that you never should have walked out on and now all of these years later you're still running our first instinct is to flee David says flee like a bird Psalm 55 if I had wings of a dove I'd fly away he says 
Do you, know, do you know why we have that instinct? Do you know where we get that from? We get it from our first parents, Adam and Eve. Do you remember when God came to them in the cool of the day to walk through the garden with them and fellowship with His creation? And do you remember where Adam and Eve were? What were they doing? They were hiding. <laughs> and why is it that when we sin and when we fail, we run away from God rather than running straight to Him? God already knows it. Right? God knows where you are. God knows your background. He knows your life. Why would we not run to God and say, God, forgive me? But we run away. Yesterday, I had the kids uh, all day by myself, which is a challenge for a blind man. <laughs> and Hudson had done something to Emmy. And Emmy came downstairs. I was downstairs, and Emmy came down there upset. And Dad, Hudson, whatever. I said, tell Hudson to come here right now. Guess what that little three-year-old doesn't do? They don't come. So because I'm blind, I've got all these Alexa devices all over our house. And if you have an Alexa, you know, one of the cool things about it is you can drop in, right? Like an intercom system. So I drop in upstairs. And I say... Hudson, radio silence. Hudson Graham, radio silence. I thought Adam and Eve. Hudson, you better answer me. And I hear him go, why? <laughs> What'd you do to your sister? <laughs> We got it straightened out. But don't we love to hide from God? Why? We get it from Adam and Eve. And when David faced trouble, when David faced danger, the instinct is fly away like a bird. But I'm going to show you in the text why he didn't do that. And I'm going to show you in the text today why you shouldn't do that either. Verse number 2, he says, For the wicked have bent their bow. Their arrow is fitted to the string. Can't you get the image of your mind of an enemy with a drawn bow and arrow? And he says, and in the dark he shoots those who are upright in heart. Can't you picture this bird fleeing, defenseless, and an arrow coming straight and what David is saying, this bow and arrow is a metaphor for deception. And apparently, whether it was during Saul's reign or whether it's with Absalom, what the point is, is that there's deception all around David. There's betrayal all around David. And people are telling him, flee, David, go. David says, the wicked, they're waiting. They're ensnaring me. They're trapping me. I'm defenseless against them. And it says that they'll shoot those who are upright in heart. We're going to link that in a moment to verse 7. Now notice verse number 3. If the foundations are destroyed, then what can the righteous do? I'll confess to you, 
I feel that way about our country. What can I do? What can the church do? This culture loves their sin. This society loves snubbing its nose at God Almighty. What can the righteous do? They love ungodly laws. They love wickedness. They love deception. The media loves deception. Did anybody see the score of the Georgia-Florida game? Someone laughed this morning and told me a joke, said, by the end of the day, the media is going to give Georgia 17 points and they'll end up winning. <laughs> That's a joke. I thought it was funny. Anyway, anyway. This culture loves deception. It loves lies and error. What can the righteous do? I felt this way. Now, I do want you to notice a very important word, though, in verse 3. The word if. If the foundations. That tells me this thing's conditional. It tells me that, that you and I have the ability to pray. Amen? But if you look around at the state of our country right now and you feel as helpless as what I do, you feel as hopeless as what I do, that without revival, what is going to happen to this country? What's going to happen to our society as it grows more and more wicked against God? Well, one thing that I love about the Bible, my friends, one thing that I so value and I so appreciate teaching the Bible week in and week out, is that the Bible never leaves us without answers. <laughs> the Bible never leaves us on a cliffhanger and go, well, just figure it out yourself. You just think about it and come up with your own answer. The Bible never does that. And so it is in this case. While we feel helpless, while we feel like what can a righteous person do against such a tsunami of unrighteousness in our country what can we do verse 4 gives the answer <laughs> for look what it says the Lord is in his holy temple the Lord's throne is in heaven do you know what he's saying he's saying you may feel helpless you may feel defenseless. You may feel like you're in danger. But don't you forget, child of God, God is sovereign and God is supreme. And God is fully in control. Amen? And it doesn't matter what the government does. It doesn't matter what the media does. It doesn't matter what our culture tries to do. God has not lost one inch of His sovereign power. The plans of the Lord will not be thwarted. Job chapter 42. It won't be thwarted. God is in control. And I think this is timely for the church to say, when you're around all of this unrighteousness, what do you do? You put your eyes squarely on God. And not on our ability or our strength but on the Lord and the Lord only. 
Hallelujah. Do you see where David tries to... See, this is why David says, don't miss the connection. This is why he says, it's in the Lord that I take refuge. Because where's the Lord? He's high above. David says, you want me to flee to a mountain? Oh, no, I can't run away. I can't go out in a place where I'm defenseless. No, I'm not going to go to a mountain of my own making. My refuge is in the throne of God. My refuge is in the heavens. And how important it is that you not get off on your own, that you not get out in a place on your own. No, take refuge in the Lord. Don't, don't, don't leave the place of refuge. And listen, some of you, you've been praying and you've been praying and yet it feels like God never changes things. It feels like God never intervenes. It feels like God never steps into the midst of your circumstance. And the more you pray, it feels like the worse things get. And Satan will be right there telling you, flee to the mountains. Just go. Go on. Do your own thing now. God's not interested in you. He answers everybody's prayers except yours. God's interested in everyone else except you. Friends, he's a liar. And he'll tell you, he'll tell you, well, just take off like a bird. Leave the church. Stop going. Stop trying. Quit trying to pray. Stop trying to understand the Bible. Stop seeking God's will. Where's it gotten you? David could have said the same thing. David was facing distrust. David was facing deception. David was facing danger. David was completely defenseless. And what does David say? David says, no. No, I'm not going to flee. Rather, I'm going to take refuge in the name of the Lord. Why did he have that perspective? Because he knew that God was firmly on his throne. And friends, God's on his throne in your life. And you look around and you say, well, why is the wicked bending their bow? Why are there plots against me? Friends, let me just be very clear with you, okay? Don't think it's some strange thing that people do evil things against you. Don't think it's some odd thing that people lie about you. Or people spread rumors about you. Or people don't like you and they try to hinder things or they try to confuse. No, don't don't think that's strange. This is what wicked people do. And what's going to happen to the wicked? David's going to make it very clear. Look look what he's going to say in verse number, what verse am I at? Five? Oh, we didn't finish four, did we? The Lord is in his throne. The Lord Lord is in his holy temple. His throne is in heaven. He sees. Oh, let me tell you something. You've been wronged. You've been violated. You've been taken advantage of. You've been abused. You've been neglected. You ought to just highlight those two little words. He sees. He sees. His eyelids test the children of men. Look at verse 6. I'm sorry. I think that's verse 5. Look at verse 5. 
He tests the righteous. And he hates those who do wicked. Now, we're going to come back to this word test in a moment. But I want you to pay attention to that word test. Now look at verse 6 with me. If God tests the righteous, what does he do to the wicked? Notice what David says. God is going to rain fire and brimstone upon them. Their cup is going to be scorching wind. I find it immensely interesting how David compares the righteous and the wicked here. In verse 5, that word test is the idea of a refiner's fire. We've spoken a couple times this year on the refiner's fire. Now what is the point of a refiner's fire? Purity is the point. If you and I owned a gold mine... Wouldn't that be wonderful? If you and I owned a gold mine, we would want to refine through fire that gold. You and I would find large chunks, God willing, right, of gold in that gold mine. And it would have a lot of impurities in it. And what a refiner will do, and actually the process has not changed that much over all these centuries... What they'll do is they'll take fire to that gold. And what happens is all the impurities, all the dross comes up to the surface. And a refiner will scrape the dross off of that gold. And the hotter the flame, the more intense the fire, the purer the gold. And you know what the goal of a refiner is? Is once he has purified that gold, once he has scraped off all that impurity and all that dross, what a refiner wants to do is see his reflection in the gold. And so it is in my life, so it is in this season of blindness, so it is in your life, the refiner is burning out impurities out of us. And the hotter the flame, the more intense the fire, the purer the gold comes out. Amen. And God wants to see his reflection in your life. And the purer that he makes you, the more clean he makes your heart, the more clean he makes your thinking, the more clean he makes your life, the purer you become, the better he can see himself in you. Amen. Isn't it interesting that the word test is the kind of fire that they use on metals in verse number 5. But in verse number 6, it's not a testing of fire. It is a judgment of fire. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting that even way back in the Old Testament, even here in the Psalms, it is reflective of what each and every one of us are headed toward on the final day of judgment. Every human is headed toward fire. Every human. If you're born again today, if you're upright in heart, if there is righteousness, the righteousness of Christ in you, the Bible tells us what kind of judgment we'll face. We spoke about it last May in the Bema judgment seat of Christ. The motives, the works of our life will be tried by fire. 
And God will take the works of our life, and if they are pure motives, it will be as gold, silver, and precious stone. If it is unpure motives, our life will be as hay, wood, and stubble. And God will set fire to it. Isn't that interesting? He tests the righteous. He tests us. And when fire is set to hay, wood, and stubble, what will be left? Nothing but ashes. But if my life, if your life was authentic, it was genuine before the Lord. The, our, our motives were pure. Our works were pure. We lived for the glory of God. For when this life is over and all has passed, what is done for Christ is all that will last. C.T. Studd said that. And if our life was genuine and our life was pure, our life will be as gold, silver, silver, and precious stones. Fire will purify it. Yes? Verse 5, he tests the righteous. But for those who are unrighteous, for those who are without Christ, for those who've never been born again, for those who are wicked in their heart, for those who their lives are not clean, their lives are not pure, their lives are not godly, what will be their outcome? The Bible says that at the great white throne judgment, they shall be cast into the lake of fire. And they will experience an eternal and forever judgment of God Almighty. Isn't it interesting that that's reflected here in Psalm 11? So where is your life today? Are you a righteous person through Christ? Or are you unrighteous in yourself? As we get to verse number 7. This is where the contrast really comes into play. And this is where I really want to define righteousness for us. Verse 7 says, God is righteous. The old King James says, God loveth righteousness. Let me tell you, my friends, if God loves righteousness, I want to love it too. He loveth righteousness. It says he loves righteous deeds. He loves things that are done in the name of the Lord. And then he says something very interesting. That the Lord looks upon the righteous. What that means is, it means that we have direct access to God. For God to look upon you means you have access. You have the attention of the Father. <coughs> it's the wicked that He turns His face from. But it's the righteous that He looks to. And what does Psalm 34 say? Those who look upon the Lord, He makes us radiant. And we shall never be put to shame. Amen. When I had my two failed eye surgeries in my left eye. They absolutely ruined my eye. Absolutely ruined it. To the point they wanted to put in a prosthetic. My eye for two years was bloodshot red. That doctor said the redness would never go away. 
My eye was completely ruined. They told me at Duke University, they said, your eye may very well shrivel. When, they, when that doctor said, your eye will shrivel, the Holy Spirit of God inside me said, uh-uh, you'll be like a well-watered garden. That's what the Lord said. And for two years, my eye was bloodshot red. But I would so often think, we would do pictures, we do family pictures, and I would think of my eye being so red and the way it looked. And the Lord would just remind me, Psalm 34, no, Chad, look to me and I'll make you radiant. You'll never be put to shame. Look to me and I'll make you radiant. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all of his troubles. Amen. Psalm 34. And when God looks upon you, He makes you radiant. He lifts His countenance upon you. He shines His face upon you. He gives you peace when He looks upon you. And it's the righteous that God looks upon. What does it mean to be righteous? Well, this is literally what it means. It does not mean to be a perfect person. It does not mean that you never mess up. It does not mean that you can fill in the blank with whatever you think perfection is. Righteousness means to be in right standing before God. And do you know what happens when you come to God just as you are? Do you know what happens when His blood cleanses your life? Do you know what happens when God robes you in Jesus Christ and clothes you in Christ? You become a righteous person. You become upright in heart. And just as Adam and Eve hid before God. No, when God forgives our sin, we're able to come out of hiding. And we're able to stand upright before a holy and a just and a righteous God. Isn't that amazing? Are you right with God today? Are you right with others today? Perhaps you wronged someone years ago that you've never made it right. Friends, the righteousness of God will lead you to make it right. Perhaps someone wronged you and you've never forgiven them. There's some of you listening today that there are siblings you haven't spoken to in decades. There's family that you've had nothing to do with for years. There's old acquaintances that you've wrote off because they did something wrong to you or something went south. <clears throat> and because of that, you've harbored bad feelings all of these years. Friends, that's not worth losing the righteousness of God over. Some of you need to be right today before God, but some of you need to be right with others. As you get right. As God helps you. To get right. With himself and with others. Then guess what begins to produce in your life. The righteousness. Of Jesus Christ. And what will happen. God will look on you. With all of his favor. With all of his radiance. With all of his blessings. Are you right. 
with God today? Are you right with others today? Have you made things right? Why should you make things right? Because God is in his holy temple. God's throne is in heaven. He sees everything. And see, some of you, and I know it in my heart, because I can hear the Holy Spirit telling me this right now. There's some of you who are saying, Chad, if you knew what I experienced, you wouldn't be telling me to make it right. No, my friend, you're wrong. And I want you to hear the word of God today. Remember verse number uh, four? He sees. God saw the wrong. God saw the violation. God saw it. And because God is just. And because God is good. And because God is sovereign. You can forgive today. You can let go today. You can take it to God. And you can rest in the refuge of the name of the Lord. Today, if you're tired, today, if you're exhausted, today, if you've been on the run and you've been running from your past, you've been running from hurt feelings, you've been running from people who have hurt you, stop running today. Take refuge in the Lord. Take refuge in the fact God saw it all. And yet God, despite it all, will bless you, will look upon you, and will give you unbelievable favor, no matter who's done what to you. Do not let another person steal another moment of joy from you. Let it go. Forgive them. take refuge in the Lord today are you facing danger today do you feel defenseless have you been betrayed have you been wronged friends don't worry about the wrong make yourself right with God And you'll be upright in heart. You'll be righteous before God Almighty. Let's stand today. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. What do you need to talk to the Lord about? We're just going to give some time right now. For you to talk to the Lord and for the Lord to talk to you. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to be right with? Jesus said, if you come to God's house with a gift, and there's something wrong between you and a brother, put the gift aside and go make it right with your brother before you go worship God. That's how important it is to God. Maybe right now someone's trying to wrong you. 
Someone's trying to take advantage of you. Take your refuge in the Lord. Maybe right now you feel like David. I'd fly away. You have financial distress. Health distress. Relationship distress. And you just say, Chad, I'm ready to throw in the towel. I'm ready to walk away. No. Look to the Lord. God is in His temple. God is on His throne and He sees everything. Look to Him. If you need to pray today, you can walk down to this altar and you can sit on this platform. You can stand. You can kneel on the floor. It doesn't matter. We have people who want to pray with you. Whatever it is, bring it down here today and lay it down. And don't take it home with you. Lay it down. Cast your cares upon the Lord, for He cares for you. Come right now if you would like to pray, and someone will pray with you. Lord, we give this time to you. Work in our hearts. Work in our hearts, Lord God. Work in our hearts. Work in our hearts. Remind us, Lord God, that you see everything. You'll take care of the wicked. You'll take care of it. That's why we can rest in you. That's why we can take refuge in you. That's why we don't have to be bitter. We don't have to be vengeful. We don't have to take any revenge. We don't have to have hard hearts today. Because God sees everything. And you'll make us upright in heart. So put our eyes on you today, Lord God. And not on anyone or anything else. Simply upon you. We won't run from problems. We won't flee when we're overwhelmed. We won't turn our backs when we mess up or blow it. Instead, we'll take refuge in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord.